what the Bible has to say about church leadership is critically important. The Bible is very specific in, sh- in who should be leading his, his bride, his church. And the reason why God's word is so specific, uh, pacif- okay, I'm channeling through Jeff again this morning. <laughs> specific is because when it comes to leadership in the church, uh, leadership affects all people. And there are, there have been wonderful church leaders who have affected people, God's people in wonderful ways. And there have been other church leaders who have affected people in horrific ways. I'm sure you're all aware of uh, what the news that has come out of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. And uh, the grand jury report concerning the Catholic Church. I I don't know if you've read uh, any of those accounts. I I briefly just read about seven of. I follow um, uh, the Gospel Coalition uh, online, and uh, they published uh, some of the uh, the findings of the grand jury report. I can't repeat those to you this morning. Those reports are horrific. Those reports are demonic. And those things happen because the leadership of their church, of those churches, took their eyes off our Savior and followed their own hearts. And people's lives in those churches were forever changed because of their selfishness. And leadership didn't do the job that God had called them to do. And it doesn't just have to do with the Catholic Church. It happens across evangelical denominations. It happens in the Southern Baptist Convention. You've heard the reports about Bill Hybels having stepped down as the pastor of Willow Creek here recently. This last week, the entire elder board stepped down from the leadership of that church. Why? Because they didn't do their job. They tried to only protect their senior pastor and they didn't listen to the stories of the women. As hard as it was in coming forward with their, their stories regarding their senior shepherd. God's word is specific about leadership. Leadership matters. And leadership is important in the life of this church. And so I want us to take our Bibles this morning, and I want us to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And the, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, 
shares these words about two particular offices in the local church. He's writing to Timothy. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Paul describes two offices in the local church, and there are only two offices. The one uh, he mentions, he describes them here as overseers. But uh, that, that, that word overseer is also used elsewhere in the New Testament as a pastor, a shepherd, elder, and uh, we're going to be looking a little bit more at that in just a moment. But all of the, those words are in, interchangeable in the New Testament letters. And so that's the first office. And the elder is a servant leader. And then there's a second office. That's the office of deacon. And deacons, we find in this text, also in Acts chapter 6, and we'll be looking at that in a moment, but deacons are leaders of servants. And, uh, and so we're going to be looking at their role. But let me just mention a few uh, non-negotiables when it comes to church leadership that uh, we see in Scripture. <clears throat> the first is this. Um, leadership is designed by God. These aren't Paul's words. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words, to be specific about who was to be leading the church. And so this isn't man's invention. This is God's design. And he designs 
the church leadership to display God's glory. The church is the bride of Christ. I want you to think about uh, the bride coming down the aisle to be uh, married, to be given, and to be married to, to the groom. I've, I've conducted a lot of wedding ceremonies. I have never witnessed any ugly brides. Those brides are absolutely beautiful. They are at their finest, and they are coming to be wed to their husband. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, that the, the, the bride is the gift to the groom. And when I see this gift walking down the aisle, oftentimes the groom that's standing next to me starts to sniffle, starts to get a little weepy, along with his pastor. Because I know the significance of this moment. These two are being betrothed to each other. These two are in love with each other. But my, this, this is a picture of God's gift to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are, we are the bride of Christ. And we belong to Him. And so, the bride is a gift to the broom, groom. But also the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, an excellent wife is the crown of the husband. And she, and let me just stop there for a moment. An excellent wife is the crown of the husband. The church, the bride of Christ, as we are excellent, as we are living out God's design among him as his people, you know what? We are the crown of Jesus Christ. We are his glory. You know what? I experienced that being married to Susan Logan. I am not lying when I say people, I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, your wife is such a blessing. My, how she has helped me through such and such. And they just go on and, and they brag about her. And you know what? As I listen to their story, God is putting a crown on my head. I am being honored because of her. But you know what? When it comes to the leadership of the church, the leadership is the visible display of God's glory. And as leaders, as elders, and as deacons of our church, of this church, you know what? We are to fulfill the design, the responsibilities of these offices. And as we do what scripture tells us to do, 
we are the visible display of all the glory that belongs to him. This is what we see in scripture. And so leadership is to display God's glory. Number three, leadership is dependent, dependent on God's gospel. You know, there's quite a list uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And these are responsibilities. These are things that we are to follow through on. We can't do them in the flesh. Now, as your pastor, I'd be honest with you and say, I try oftentimes to do it in the flesh. And boy, do I fail miserably. And you would think I would learn the first time, but it, I keep learning the lesson over and over again. But when I'm dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ, when I'm dependent on his grace and his grace alone, the power of Christ, Christ in me, helps me to do this. And so as leadership, we need to be dependent on God's gospel. It's all his grace. We need to be living this out in obedience and in faith. Believing and knowing that it's God doing this through us. And so those are some non-negotiables that we need to be aware of as we look at these two offices. But let's look at elders first, the servant leaders. Paul discusses uh, elders. Um, We see more of this uh, in Acts chapter 20. Uh, Go to Acts chapter 20 for a moment. Uh, Paul is about ready to go to Jerusalem. Paul knows what uh, uh, awaits him at uh, Jerusalem as... uh, as he stands for the gospel, and uh, he's going to be confined in chains and moved on to Rome. And so he's meeting with the uh, elders of Ephesus uh, here in Miletus. He's, he's summoned them because these are his final goodbyes to them. And uh, this is what he says to them in verse 28. Paul says this, Acts chapter 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves, And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul is speaking to the elders, and the first thing thing he says in verse 28 is um, care for the flock. Uh, Verse 28, let me read it. Pay careful attention to you yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Those who serve as elders aren't serving as elders because this is something they chose to do. 
No, the Bible says it is the Holy Spirit who has directed you to be overseers. And so we lead under the authority of Christ because it is God who has called us to this position. And as we lead under Christ's authority, Paul tells the elders at Ephesus to care for the body of Christ, the people who are precious to Christ, so precious to Christ that he paid for him them with his own blood. Care for them. They mean, they mean to me my very life. And so that's all of our elders' responsibilities, to care for the body. Third thing we see in this text is that we need to teach the word of Christ. The Bible says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. To know a, a wolf from a true shepherd means you need to know the word of God. And if people in the church are going to be able to distinguish between the two, they need to know the word of God. And the elders have a responsibility to teach the word of Christ. And then the fourth thing we see, we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3 in the uh, office of an elder, is that we must model the character of Christ. Let me just read those um, characteristics again. Verse 2. An overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. If someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a novice, a recent convert. He must be mature in the faith. He may, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. He must be well thought of as out to the outsiders. These are characteristics that described that described Christ as well. He lived out these attributes, and so as elders of the church, we must uh, model these character qualities. And so that's the office of an elder. And then the second office is the deacon, and the deacon is the leader. They're the leaders of servants. That word. Deacon in the Greek is diakonos, and it means servant. And uh, what do deacons do? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 6 for a moment. There was a need in that uh, first century church. The church was exploding. And the apostles uh, could not do it all themselves. And so this is what is shared in that first century church. Verses 1 through 6. After this, Jesus went away to... Oh, I mean John, not Acts. I 
I went fishing yesterday. <laughs> and was I tired when I got home? I, I, I crashed in bed about 9 o'clock last night. I told my wife, I wish this was Friday night, not Saturday night. <laughs> so, <clears throat> verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because there were widows being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith, of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, proselyte. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hand, laid their hands on them. There was, um, there was an issue in the church that was dividing the church. Uh, the 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 Jewish speaking widows were receiving preferential treatment over the Greek speaking the Hellenist uh, widows widowers and uh, and the apostles became aware of the need and and knew that they needed to do something about it but this was taking them away from their priority of the word and prayer. And so they became, they came before the church and the church selected, uh, six individuals, seven, seven individuals who were full of the Holy Spirit. And they were chosen to serve and minister, particularly to those who were being neglected. Now, the church was exploding. And these deacons, there were seven of them. And even, and only seven of them couldn't have waited on all the, the, the needs that were among, uh, the, the, the Greek speaking widows. Yes, they were to, they were called to be servants and they were to meet, uh, the bodies, the, the needs of the body at that moment, this particular need. But they couldn't do themselves. They were gonna need some help. And so this requires this requires some organizational skills on on their part. Yes, they're going to serve, they're going to lead, but they're going to need other servants. And you know, when it comes to the body of Christ, the Bible says we're all servants. We're all to serve uh, one another. But it was these particular men who were to be the leaders of the servants. And so that's what the deacons of this church, that's their role as well. They can't do it all themselves. And they are going to help uh, lead all of us to ensure that the needs of the church are provided for, the physical needs of the church. Now, in this particular situation, it was waiting on tables. You know, when you look at the New Testament and what are deacons supposed to do? It's really vague. 
This is the only description that we find in the New Testament, which leads us to believe that uh, whatever the needs might be of the church in that moment, the deacons are to be called upon to help meet that need. And it just depends on each local church. Each church is different, and so needs are different. And so the, it's the church is the church is to figure out what um, how to meet those particular needs. But in needing meeting these needs, what we see deacons doing is they're meeting needs according to the word, and we're to meet needs according to the word. Widows, orphans. Uh, aliens, they're very important to the heart of God. The need in this church was widows. That's important to God. And so they were meeting this need according to the word. And so that's what we must do as well as we determine needs. It needs to be met according to the word. The second thing we see these deacons doing is they're supporting the ministry of the word. Bless his heart, Pete, I needed a Kleenex. And uh, he, he met that need. Um, for the deacons here in this, in this text in Acts chapter 6, the need was serving tables among the Greek-speaking widows. They were supporting the word. They were supporting the apostles so that they could study, they could prepare themselves to, to preach, to, to teach the word of God and to pray. They were supporting that word by meeting those needs that the apostles uh, couldn't, couldn't do. So that's another thing that the we see the deacons doing. And then the third thing we see is uh, the deacons unifying the body around the word of God. There was racism taking place in this first century church. One was receiving preferential treatment over the other. And the deacons, the, the apostles knew that couldn't be. And so they came alongside the Hellenistic speaking uh, widows and met those needs and unified the body of Christ. Deacons are kind of like the shock absorbers of the church. And, uh, you know, they're there to support the word and the ministry of the, uh, of the elders there to help meet the needs of the physical needs of the people in the body of Christ and take some of these, you know, we're a church and uh, we're made up of sinners. There's no perfect people in this place. And uh, when you put imperfect people together, you know what? You're going to have problems from time to time. And the deacons are there to help unify uh, some of the issues that might occur in the local church and unifying us around the word of God. So what are their qualifications? What's the qualification of a deacon? Well, number one, they need to have a missions mindset. These deacons in Acts chapter 6, they knew the mission of the church. 
they knew the apostles' responsibility. They were the teachers. They were the spiritual leaders of the church. They heard, they were aware that uh, they were distracted by the physical needs going on around them. Something had to be done. Because the primary mission of the church is to teach the word of God and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so they were, God called them to step in and to do some things that would keep the apostles focused. They had a, they had a missions mindset. But then they also, as deacons, modeled Christ-like character as we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. That list is very similar to the qualification of the characteristics of an elder. Really, the only difference between those two lists is the elder is able to teach where the deacon, it's not a necessary qualification. But they model Christ-like character. Again, leadership matters. Character matters. Not just anybody can do these jobs, these ministries. They, they must be called out by the Holy Spirit. The church, uh, uh, God used the church to select the first seven deacons of the first century church. And God used the, the, the leadership of, of Paul and those others who were establishing churches to select the elders. How we select elders and deacons in our church is we ask you, the church congregation, to give us names whom you think are qualified to serve in either of these capacities. And the elders and the deacons come together and they talk about who they see are qualified to lead in these various capacities. But it is the Spirit of God working through all of this to communicate to you God's will for your life. And I want you to know, these are offices that are hard to fill at Emmanuel. We have, we have a whole lot more people that we've approached in asking them to pray about serving in one of these capacities. And, I, and we've heard a lot of no's. I just want to encourage you men for a moment. If another individual and another leader in our church, deacon or elder, approaches you to ask you about praying about what if God would have you to serve, seriously consider that the person who's doing the asking is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and nudging you to do his good work. Don't just think you're not qualified. Guess what? None of us are qualified. It's only because of the grace of God. 
you know, I don't know too many people and say, pick me, pick me, pick me. No, because they're like, like Emily was saying that song, you know, we're, we're a child of the king. We, you know, we ought to know who we are, who God says we are. But there's an enemy out there who's just wanting to make you feel absolutely miserable and think that you're, you're disqualified. You can never consider that office. Don't listen to the enemy. God has used, uh, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me through other godly people in my life over the years. Don't be, I remember Wayne, I've, I've shared this before, Wayne Reynolds, his wife Cheryl. She's just a bitty little lady. She came up to me after one service at Emmanuel, after I had preached the ordination service of our of our junior high youth pastor. And Cheryl looked at me in the eyes. She said, Pastor Bill, God wants to use you as a senior pastor. I'd been a youth pastor all these years, and I, I, I was never considered myself qualified to be a senior pastor. I, I've served Pastor Rob. I've seen him that capacity. I've seen the bullseye on his backs and the and the shots he has to take all the time. And I said, I, I can't do that. No, that's not me. God hasn't called. And she looked at me in the eyes and said, Pastor, you're qualified. And she said, don't trifle me. <laughs> okay. I got the message. Seriously consider what God may be saying to you in that moment. And don't just quickly discount it. God wants to use you. So here we see these. And this morning, we have the opportunity to lay hands on four men who are qualified as servant leaders and leader of servants. And this morning, we are going to lay hands on them. Believing and recognizing that God has called them to this position. To serve. Not to dictate. <laughs> to serve. You know, as, as one of the, el- we have six elders in our church. As we make a- decisions as elders, We have to be unified about those decisions. I am just one voice. Now God has called me as the senior shepherd of this church. And so I am the the leader of the elders. But again, I am just one voice. And the decisions that we make, we make together. And we are here not to dictate, but to serve, to serve the body and to teach the word and pray for the body of Christ here. And then there are leaders of servants, and those are our deacons. And this morning, uh, our deacons and elders who have been ordained in this church 
they're going to come alongside these who are we are affirming and ordaining this morning. And we're going to lay hands on them and pray over them, acknowledging that God has called them to this ministry. And we're going to ask God to bless their ministry to him and to us. That we might display the glory of God in this place. Leadership matters, church. And we need to have God's leaders. Not perfect leaders, but leaders who are keeping our eyes on the Savior. Not thinking about ourselves, but thinking about Him and God's people. Because we don't want to discourage the people of the faith, shipwreck their faith, and they become disillusioned with God and disillusioned with the church. And never darken the doors again. And that's happening in a lot of churches because of poor leadership. May it not happen here.